Hello and welcome to this NLive's Open for Business podcast platform. My name is Adrian Price, the guy from the university, as I keep saying, with the perfect face for radio. And I host a show every Tuesday from 7 to 9 p.m. called Open for Business. Open for Business celebrates the very best of business in Northampton and Northamptonshire and brings together business, civic, charity and indeed academic leaders to talk about the business environment, to talk about initiatives and projects, especially where, they're, where they are all working together for the good of the community. So enjoy these extended interviews on this podcast. They're now set up as a standalone for you to savour and uh, to learn from some of the movers and shakers in the county. Enjoy. Well, I'm delighted to welcome back somebody who's been on the show a couple of times talking about very different things, really, and um, thought it'd be good to get a, an update. Uh, I think she is definitely one of my uh, number one fans or number one critics because, you know, I hardly get to the end of the show by nine o'clock and I've got a comment by email about one thing or another on the show. And I have to say, usually very positive, but it's a big warm welcome to the glamorous and indeed hyperactive uh, Connie Penn, who's doing so much in the community as well as running your own business. Connie, how are you? Thanks for giving up some time to come and um, talk to us. How are you keeping these days? Very well, thank you. And it's always a pleasure to talk to you, Adrian. Oh, well, flattery will definitely get you uh, <laughs> everywhere. Now, it, it, one of the things that uh, Martin, the uh, station manager, is telling me that it's been, well, it's coming up to three years I've been doing this show and 12 months since we've, you know, had this format where we've captured the interviews as standalone podcasts. And you've been a regular listener throughout that time. So I guess the, <laughs> the question is, how did you get into Open for Business and why, you know, what is it that you like or are fascinated by with the show? Well, I actually started listening to you when you only had two programs per month. So that was very early in 2019, I think, maybe even 2018. Having run my own consultancy business since 1993, traveling all over the UK and Europe, including in Brussels, eight to 10 days per month for five years at the European Payments Council, I attempted to go semi-retired early in 2017. I know you'll say I'm too young to do that, and you're right. You're too young to do that. (laughs) And so I started to take more of an interest in what was going on in the county, which led me to take an interest in what David Lang was doing in the lieutenancy, particularly his interest in encouraging business and charity to work together for the benefit of both. So then in 2019, I stumbled on what you were doing in promoting that initiative and started to listen to your program and got more and more drawn into what was going on. And obviously then that got me interested in corporate social responsibility. Um, That sounds like a a nice journey because you have made some very nice comments about, you know, it's almost like a fireside chat or, you know, really very, very pleasing to get somebody that actually um, feeds back. And I'm very happy to have criticism as well, of course. But, um, so there's something about the show then, because we changed the format in that time, didn't we? From bursts of three, four, five minutes talking to a guest, then some music to really uh, last April, I think we went to the extended interviews of 15, 20, even 25 minutes or, or more. So I think it gives us the chance to go further into details, into issues, doesn't it? Yes, it does. And, and you know, because you're able to do that in depth, that's what drew me more into the CSR. Um, while that's been around a long time, it's sort of like what happened in the card security within the card business. It, the security was fluffy. We didn't have to measure or evidence what we were doing security wise until the security of card payments came, came along. 
And now I think it's the same with um, CSR. We're, we're going to have to um, measure and evidence more strongly um, mm. what we're doing in that environment. And so um, that has become much more interesting for me. Um, I don't have any children, um, but I've always taken an interest in how I can help younger people through mentoring. Um, in the late 90s, although running my own business, I was involved with Young Enterprise at the school in Mirway and then with a the girls' school in Hardingstone. So then I became more interested in, local, in the local charity scene when I thought about semi-retirement. And so your programme gives me, it's a lazy way of finding out what's going on in, in the county. I just sit down for a couple of hours on Tuesday night. You've become my Tuesday night date night. <laughs> well, there you go, indeed. And I'm not even allowed a bottle of wine while we have the date night, Connie. <laughs> <laughs> we have to put that right, I'm sure. Where, Mark, where is the Martin Steers, the station producer, when you need him? Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, no, it, you know, it's, it's evolved it, it, and really some very interesting guests. And over the last 12 months, I mean, three or four guests each week. That's quite a lot of people over a year, right? You know, that's 50 it's weeks. That's 100, 150 different people I, I've got to got to speak to, uh, had to speak to, which um, overall, it's been a very positive, upbeat message that's come through, I think yeah. you, you would agree, no? Yes, and because you've got that number and, and a, a more in-depth um, interview now, there's a lot of variety in the show because you're, you're producing different people every week. Um, from different parts of, of the industry. Like I'm learning more about what's going on in the university. You know, mm. I didn't realize you had some of the faculties that you have. And obviously it's fantastic to have such a highly regarded university in Northampton. But like all things, I think it was a lot of people didn't know what was going on. I certainly didn't know. And just by listening in, especially for the last few weeks, you've inter um, interviewed more of the faculty heads. And mm. it's like nice to hear um, what you're what you're doing there obviously members of the lieutenancy are also interviewed and I find that interesting because I have an interest in the community foundations work and indeed the Lord Lieutenants Leaders Forum mm. where you're bringing business civic charity academic leaders together and having run my own business for so long I'm interested in business and what it's doing in Northampton mm. and your program just keeps me bang up to that date on all of that well, that's 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 you know that, that's nice feeling. I mean, I, I don't know how many listeners we have. We think across the station there's fourteen or fifteen thousand each week. The evening slots are tend to be more popular. You know, let's hope we're getting our fair share of that. But interestingly, the podcasts, Martin tells me we're getting at least a hundred people sort of tune into the, each podcast, each interview after the event. So they have a life of their own, and I certainly put them out on LinkedIn every so often because you know some of what I've heard has been really very very powerful um, in terms of what businesses are doing and especially what they're doing to help the community over and above, you know, doing their business and employing people. But, uh, you know, it's that extra little bit. And as you've alluded to earlier on, very keen to, um, to facilitate links between the public, private, academic and third sector. And that is something that David Lang, who was the previous um, Lord Lieutenant is very much into and, and I'm happy to say very much supported by James Saunders Watson, who is the current um, Lord Lieutenant. So, you know, I, it'd be nice to think that uh, people are listening and um, something is landing. Um, you know, I'd like, I'd welcome a few more people sort of with emails, with suggestions as to who to be on or if they'd like to be on or feedback. But um, I certainly 
look forward to your feedback. In fact, when I don't get it in only one week, I do wonder, what's Connie listening? <laughs> <laughs> what's she up to tonight? Who's her date tonight? Yeah. So, <laughs> so what about you, Adrian? When you think back on the last 12 months and indeed over the last three years since you started Open for Business, how has the programme influenced you, your university courses, your students, your networking, and obviously your work within the lieutenancy? Gosh, wow, that's lots of questions. How's it influenced me? Well, it certainly has uh, helped me get to know a lot more about businesses that, that and, and organizations that I wasn't familiar with. Obviously, a large number of the guests I already know or know something about, but increasingly there are guests that I, you know, I don't know. So it's a voyage of discovery for me and you know the various types of businesses. An example recently was um, uh, when we had Ingemar on talking about, you know, a specialist consultancy that just supports law firms. Mm. <laughs> you know, I mean, oh, goodness me. Yeah, you, know, you make a business out of that. And you know, the average law firm's got two or three solicitors who want to do the legal bit. They don't want to run a business, you know. So, so I've learned a lot about um, different types of businesses. I've, um, in terms of students, I try to encourage them to listen. I don't know if they do. We've had a few on, of course, talking. And, um, you know, th the quality of the guests, definitely would make you know very often if i have a lecture i can't turn up i could probably put a couple of the recordings on and i think the students would get a lot of value if they they only but realized it and sat and listened to to you know to the issues coming through from basically local uh, business leaders um networking definitely then is getting extended as a result of this and even you know even though my family sort of every time i sit down for dinner on a tuesday night you know why isn't the radio on you know they they kind of don't listen unless i really force them to put it on while we're having our tea or something but the networking is growing and i think there are guests who do appreciate it and they certainly are driving that listening after the event you know they're circulating it to their family friends colleagues whatever because they it's a different way for them to tell their story as a business you know, you can do a PDF or you do an advert or you write an article. But I think a radio interview, it's quite an interesting asset, isn't it? Because, you know, very often they are remarkably articulate in telling me about what they do and why they do it and their mission and their purpose. Um, and as far as the lieutenancy is concerned, yeah, that's uh, interesting. We do have, uh, obviously, you know, close links. And we'll come on to sort of some of the things that you like looking to do with them. Um, with your love of music and, and music as perhaps a, a, a tool to help charities and things. But um, the lieutenancy, well, I do wonder if, uh, if James and David, you know, just like be, be, bemused, you know, what's he up to now? What on earth is he doing now? Um, taking the name of <laughs> lieutenancy in vain, but hopefully actually bringing it more to life and people understand what it does because, you know, it is, it is a very uh, long established and august institution, um, clearly, you know, linked into the royal family, but it is the royal family and the establishment's way of keeping, uh, what's the word, uh, knowing what's going on in the community. You know, the reach is really quite remarkable. And when you have people like David Lang and James Saunders Watson, who care so passionately about the county and, and everything that, you know, that's in it, um, I'm just glad to you know, play my part and, if you will, reward them for having the trust and confidence in me um, to, you know, to, to, to be one of the deputy lieutenants of the county. And actually, I'm just looking while we're talking. I've got something here. Um, this is radio, so this is going to make for really good radio, but nobody can see it. But it's David Lang's crest, uh, family crest from the Lang family. And uh, it's, it's got all the, you know, the castles and all the flowery bits and all that and the lovely crest shield. But the motto is, let your light shine. Yeah. 
Isn't that lovely? Let your light shine. And I certainly owe it to David for, you know, in one sense, letting my light shine. Probably too many would say, oh, you're just self-promotion and you're, you know, you're everywhere. Get, get that guy off the radio and get him off the articles he writes. But actually, you know what? The thing is to have the profile, which I'm lucky perhaps to have, and to use it for the good, for public good, for social well, good. Certainly in my case, I mean, you've made a huge difference. Um, you know, to what I've now taken an interest in since, you know, I became, I was interested already in the lieutenancy, um, but I've learned so much more um, about the lieutenancy and what the different people within um, the lieutenancy are doing. And indeed, as I said, what's happening in the university as well. Mm. I mean, through the um, Lord Lieutenant's Leaders Forum, I got introduced to John Nixon's book, Our Common Good in April. Mm -hmm. And through your programme, and as an external associate at the um, University Centre for Sustainable Business Practices, I've become more and more interested in the impact of sustainability on business activities. Um, and as you know, you know, you introduce, um, I introduced you to Palite, yep. um, the, a local company in Wellingborough Business Park, just up the road from me here in Siwell. And that's a case in point. They're a true example of a company who is adopting a social responsible approach to the environment using honeycomb cardboard to make pallets instead of using tim timber. And I'm now a small investor in that company. And I, I wasn't at the time that I introduced you, but when I listened to the interview with him uh, on your program, I took more of an interest in the company. And when they went for crowdfunding, um, I just went ahead and invested in them. So, you know, that's the sort of thing that has come to me from mm. listening um, to your um, program. And certainly, you know, in a recent um, podcast that you did, I wasn't aware that the Faculty of Law and Business at um, the university, you're working on um, research for sustainable business practices and how businesses are, in general, um, are working alongside um, CSO or corporate social responsibility. It's all on this on the programs. When when I think over the podcast over the last twelve months, it's all started to come together for me, um, and it's given me you know a completely different interest in in um, in my life. For instance, I've also here on my desk I've got um, David Logan's um, Companies for Good and Corporate Citizenship. Um, and <laughs> yep. Great books. I mean, they really are. Well, as an educator, I see the need to simplify, if we can, a very confusing alphabet soup. There's so many different standards, frameworks, you know, vocabulary all over the place. The, the metrics are kind of coming along, but they're still, you know, it's a very gray area. So um, I'm trying to bring it down so that the, you know, the ordinary businessman in the county can sort of understand it. And I've had some positive feedback from two or three who've said, Adrian, you know, you talk to me from a business perspective, not perhaps from a, you know, a high moral ground perspective or, a, or a, you know, extreme sort of, um, you know, environmentalist uh, perspective. And, and uh, you know, I find that very rewarding when people say that, you um, they can see they begin to see the business case for it. So um, music to my ears, your feedback. And let, let's just talk about music for a second. So what do you think of the music on the show, which, as you know, I very specially and carefully curate, probably more than doing the homework on my guests very often. <laughs> um, I'm, you know, I, I live in hope, um, Adrian, that uh, you are getting better. I'm getting um, more of the stuff that I like as well. And you give me a brain um, every so often, which um, cheers my heart. Um, <laughs> 
and of course, you know, we are making an effort to make sure that uh, some of the professional um, opera singers that we have in the county are um, yep. uh, are being aired, aired more. So, so that's that's of interest to me. But any music, you know, and the male voice choir, anything that's created in, in the county, I think is great to be able to showcase um, as well on the show. So I let you off with uh, Mr. Jones on a... <laughs> <laughs> Tom Jones, Bryn Terrell, Abba, you know, it's so predictable, isn't it, really, if you're not careful. But I do try, even Martin has only once said to me, Adrian, didn't we have that song on last week? And then, you know, it wasn't the case. But uh, yeah, I've got my favourites. I try to make them very upbeat, a little bit of a mix and match. Um, clearly, you know, many are from my my youth, which is, no, let me get this right. Was it 1870s or, no, no, no 1970s, the 1980s kind of thing. 1970s more so. Um, I just wonder if people realize sometimes where I got my inspiration from, but you know, I don't want to give it away, but let me give you one clue. Tony Blackman on a Friday afternoon, you know, sounds of the, of the seventies. That's one. So um, every so often I'm in the car. Oh yes, that I must play that this week. So, so you're letting me off. So, you know, marks out of 10 for the music, probably what five, six, getting better. Getting better. <laughs> so back right. to you. Um, and especially around, you know, what, I've taken from from your program, which is the uh, corporate social responsibility. Do you think that corporate social responsibility has a better chance of becoming central to business and indeed to our lives because of what we've all experienced in the last 16 months? Yeah, well, that's a great question. Gosh, and how long have you got really? But the straightforward answer is um, yes, I do. But I think that the the tide had turned anyway in something like August 2019 and Davos in January 2020, just before the pandemic hit. Mm -hmm. And 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 you know the the August 2019, the U.S. Business Roundtable, the top 200 companies came out and signed that you know for the first time ever, uh, business should worry more you know more than just about profits. It should worry about people and planet. So that was that was a big step forward. Whether they've lived up to it is questionable at the moment. Then Davos, all the financiers going to Davos, they suddenly and I have to say, Klaus Schwab, who has run Davos for the last I think fifty years, he has been beating this drum many many times and and you know lead, thought leadership in this space well, since, since the 50s really isn't it yeah very much so so you know he he has he's got all the finance people to sort of yes let's let's um you know let's do something about it and actually they're saying can we have one set of standards or benchmarks or frameworks so they're bringing in what we're already seeing some consolidation amongst all the different schemes and frameworks and guidance um yeah. you know it's been driven because the the financiers the the bankers have woken up and smelt the coffee or probably getting older and they, they want to, you know, before they die, they want to be able to make sure they go to heaven. I, I don't know what it is that's prompted <laughs> the change, but I very much, I very much welcome it. So something was happening anyway. And the FT has been on this case again, since the late 2019 with a, um, a weekly alert called Moral Money. You know, the world's business newspaper has an article curated by, a newsletter curated by Gillian Tett, Moral Money. You know, that tells you something. So there's pressure from, from employees, there's pressure from consumers, there's pressure from government, and there's pressure from the press. And then COVID comes along, and what we saw was a great compassion and collaboration uh, within businesses, you know, not firing their people try, with government help, but you know, trying to keep the team together. Businesses with the local community, the charities, really r rallying round. And I think there's been time for reflection. And I think a lot of people have reflected on the values 
on the type of you know life we want to lead and it's not just chasing the material buck all the time you know there there are other things for perhaps a more balanced approach so i am very hopeful enthusiastic about um a, a sea change that might stick now interestingly i came across a gentleman recently he used to be the chairman of john lewis partnership Stuart Hampson, he's in the lieutenancy in Buckinghamshire. And as I was talking to him, he, re he referred to a report written in the 1990s called Tomorrow's Company. And I tracked it down. And honestly, it's, it's so contemporary. You know, I was reading it, the same words, the same vocabulary in 1990 about Tomorrow's Company should do X, Y, and Z. And it didn't happen then. There were some great forward-thinking companies like John Lewis. You know, yeah, so they did make a startup, really. There were some real, you know, but so it's not new. It's coming round. It's disguised. It's packaged slightly differently, using different words. But something in my bones is telling me, do you know what? This time it might just stick. And frankly, Connie, it has to stick. It mm. really does because you know we've got climate change issues. Um, we've we've got you know we have a great need for innovation in companies because the pace of change is so fast so if we don't embrace the diversity if we don't uh, include everybody in 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 you know the company's future if we say to our people leave your values and your passion and your creativity at the front door just come in and do what i say that leadership style i'm sorry it's so you know so old-fashioned that it's just not going to put you uh, let you have a successful business but if you start listening to your people, their values, their passion, their creativity, if you align with what they worried about, you know, perhaps they came to work late because their child has got issues with goodness knows what in the county. You know, we, we everybody benefits from a healthy business environment and businesses need to look after the, the, the place where they operate, recruit from, sell into, because if they don't, they won't have a sustainable business in the long run. So it sounds like the Welsh preacher in me coming out, Connie. Sorry, <laughs> listeners, and sorry, Connie, but, you know. All right, no, no. <laughs> I mean, as I said earlier, you you know, this listening to you on, on Tuesday nights has um, sent me in a different direction in my life. And, um, you know, it's made me embrace the county more and, and more of what's going on. And I'm even more concerned that the men mental scars that have been brought to so many because of COVID yeah. will leave an awful lot more people marginalized than previously and and therefore we have to be more compassionate we have to look after um people around us um more as we go forward because they'll need it well you can see really now we're overlapping a whole nother movement which is localism you know food miles reduce the number of food miles localism look after the community and i think that's the key word large multinationals have got to distance from the community so they need to be getting back to you know, Barclays should look and worry about the communities everywhere they have a branch, you know, that, and, and that's the old fashioned way that my dad was a Barclays branch manager and, you know, he knew everyone pretty much in the town and he got involved in, you know, all the service clubs and all sorts. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think there's a sea change happening. Now, let's just uh, catch up on one thing that you came on the show for um, some time ago about fraud and you were concerned, had some concerns about, you know, increasing opportunity perhaps for fraud within the pandemic. Um, there certainly has been, and there's been 79 within the EU. Now, I've chosen the EU because it's a mature chip and pin environment. 79% um, of fraud was on remote card not present payments, internet, mail and telephone. Wow. Whereas 15% of it, obviously, because we were all sitting at home, um, was on um, point of sale, 6% mm. on um, ATMs. 
but the biggest, um, the total amount of fraud in the UK during 2020 was 1.26 billion pounds. Wow. 45% of that was on payment cards, 38% on what is called authorized push payments, i.e. open banking. But the interesting thing, two interesting things have come from the last 12 months. So card payment theft is, is, um, is regarded as identity theft. Mm -hmm. So there's, um, for online, identity theft is, is very um, prevalent. Synthetic fraud is um, very much on the rise. Synthetic fraud is where frauds just use stolen data to create a synthetic ID and steal funds from accounts or take out loans under a synthetic ID and create new credit lines in the name of a customer. And the other one that's come out is a word called palming, P-H-A-R-M-I-N-G, where because of our generosity during um, COVID um, willingness to give to um, charity, uh, fraudsters have set up um, fraudulent charities and get our card numbers and card details uh, through that um, fraud. So that's uh, a big, big worry. And obviously, you know, we're moving more and more to um, biometric identification, which is safe. You know, you can't recreate my fingerprint. You can't recreate my iris. But when we see what's happened in the last few months with regard to the hijacking of um, a, a pipeline in, in America, which almost paralyzed the East Coast, um, and also the break-in to um, the Washington DC's um, police records and those records being stolen. How far away are we from somebody breaking into where our biometric is stored. That's the next worry down the road. So your advice to our listeners is what? Be very, very careful and make sure you know the authenticity of who you're giving your card So details. many um, people in, in, here's a simple thing. So many people in um, on Facebook will answer a question that actually goes back to the many questions that are asked on your banking. So who's your, what's your mother's maiden name? What was your, what's your middle name? What's, and they'll ask a, um, a roundabout question and you will give an honest answer. And they're building databases and, and suddenly they would have my fraud, or sorry, my profile, and will be able to um, give all the correct answers if I have to ring the bank and say, I need to change my password. Mm. So we need to be very, very careful on social media about um, how we, what information we give away. Yeah, wow, that's so telling, is it? And you know, vary your passwords. Don't use the same password all the time, and change them regularly. All sorts of things. Goodness, Connie. Um, and there's lastly, just on your music uh, in the county, and um, any any um, plans for events bringing in our professional opera singers that we feature from time to time? Yeah. Um... Obviously, unfortunately, I think the winter um, lockdown stopped us from being able to do anything at all um, and sort of put a real dampener, you know, what can we plan for? Because we don't know when we're going to be released. I think now that we know that we're going to be able to get out there and, and do things and some of the um, stuff that has been done in um, 
to to check the impact on on um, the spread of COVID at social events. I think things will start to open up, and Julie and myself have um, are waiting to talk to James and Kate about um, what we can do to help bring um, the musicians in the county together in the properties in the county and where we can do some more open um, projects and bring people back into for the audience back into music because we all need music in our lives especially at the moment uh, and also you know helping people in the industry to get back into work very important indeed so, so work to do adrian yeah and hopefully you know it, by the end of this month we will all have a brighter future to look forward to. Well, we certainly hope so, um, Connie. Thank you ever so much for coming on the show. And, um, you know, we'll keep uh, the listeners posted with any of those events in the heritage houses that we have, the wonderful heritage houses in the in the county. Um, it's probably a cue, so I better, you know, this is a pre-recorded interview, so I better make sure I put the right music either side of, um, of, of Connie's interview or certainly on one side of it. So I better get cracking on that because it is actually 25 to 5 on Tuesday and Martin Steers will be chasing me. What the hell's going on? But Connie, thank you ever so much. Connie Penn from Kilrush Consultancy. Connie, um, if anybody's interested in any of the comments about card payments, how can they get in touch with you? Connie at kilrush.co.uk, a little town in the west of Ireland, K-I-L-R-U-S-H, County Clare. Thank you. Connie at kilrush.co.uk. Co.uk. Connie, keep safe, keep well, keep up the great work and look forward to catching up with you again very soon. Pleasure as always, Adrian. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed that interview. There are plenty more here on the podcast platform. And of course, you can always listen on uh, live on Tuesday evenings from 7 to 9 p.m. on NLive Radio 106.9 FM or digitally via nliveradio.com. Um, if you'd like to know more about the radio station, please do look at nliveradio.com. And um, we're always looking for support from the community and further afield. So if you'd like to support us, please go to nliveradio.com slash support us. So until next time, thank you very much again for listening.